0: Welcome to the show, I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. Today, we're gonna hit the trails and talk about running with my friends, Dan Meads, who's a local ultramarathoner and running coach, and physiotherapist, Killian Harnett, who works with runners in his practice. Trail running is becoming a big thing here in the province. With the East Coast Trail going down our Eastern shore of the Avalon, with literally hundreds of kilometers of challenging terrain and similar scenes emerging across our province, I thought it was time to learn more. People are running all year round now on these trails, and we all know about the amazing participation in the Ten each year, so it's a topic that's familiar to many of us. Now, you might have heard of Dan Meads. He was actually paralyzed by an autoimmune condition called Guillain-Barre syndrome about seven years ago. He had to relearn how to walk and move, and is now running over 100 kilometers in a single race. He's a business person, social activist, Lululemon ambassador, and coach for The Run Experience. So he was the perfect person to chat to about what trail running is and how people can get started. Of course, as a wellness show, we have to balance all that great activity with a touch of injury prevention. So I reached out to Killian Harnett, who's a physiotherapist at Villanova Physiotherapy. He wrote a recent blog called Three Tips to Help Prevent Injuries in Runners, and that caught my attention. So let's check out our conversation with these two experts. Hey, Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, Mike, good to chat. I was looking forward to catching up with you. I'm always following you on social media and you're running. You've been really active in the running community and you've got a really interesting story. Can you give me a bit of background on you and running and the sport and how you got involved? Yeah,
1: sure. So I I love running now, but it wasn't always that way. You know, in in high school, university, I was kind of a team sport guy, and so played lots of basketball mostly. Um, and then I came to running late in life. I really only started uh, about about four years ago, a little more than that. And that came after a, a strange illness. You know, I, as you know, Mike, I was really unlucky. I had an autoimmune condition in 2015 that left me paralyzed, and so. Sometimes people hear that and they think, "Gosh, like, what does he mean?" I mean exactly what you think. Like, like in a in an acute care hospital bed, good move. Had everything done for me for for a little while, and then started to recover from that, which is great. So you know, it's a an autoimmune nerve condition called Guillain Barré, and so sometimes you know the recovery outcomes aren't great. But I was really lucky that I started to get better uh, pretty quickly, Mm -hmm. Um, and then kept getting stronger every day. So after a few months of, you know, relearning to walk and relearning to speak and do all those things. Again, I was back to kind of real life work and, and living at home instead of living in the Miller center, uh, down mm-hmm. in uh, and just getting through the day, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't very strong part of what this condition does is that it, so it strips the myelin away from your nerves, which is, which is sort of how your brain sends and receives messages to your muscles. Mm-hmm. And so, um because I wasn't able to use my muscles for so long, I had just lost a ton of strength. And so just getting up the the stairs in my old downtown house had become a real challenge. And Mm -hmm. um, there was, you know, we all have these little markers in our lives. Like, I don't know about you, but I go get groceries. It doesn't even matter how many bags there are. It's only one trip, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: (laughs) But at that stage in my life, I was really I just, I just didn't have any functional strength. I could get through the day, but little tasks were really challenging. Mm-hmm. And as a result, I had let I had let a lot of sort of general health things go by the wayside because I was just focused on getting through the day and getting my job done and, and, uh, and doing the other things that we all need to do in life. And mm-hmm. so I came to running as a part of that recovery. I had worked real hard in recovery just to get that sort of core functional strength back, just to get in and out of the house and in and out of the car and back and forth to my office and do the things that I need to do. But I I hadn't, I hadn't been exercising because I didn't have the strength and I also didn't have the motivation and my relationship with food had changed a ton. And so I was, I wasn't very strong, but I was also really out of shape. I was gaining a ton of weight and that was making it harder with weak muscles and a bunch of extra weight. I was making day-to-day life pretty tough. And so I turned to running, I turned to running as a way to try to change that feeling in my
2: life.
0: Yeah, I, I know somebody who had the same autoimmune condition. It came on extremely rapidly. It was very debilitating, and it can be very, very dangerous. Can you quickly walk me through, like, how did that develop? How did you know you were getting sick?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was a weird one. So I woke up one morning and my uh, my foot was asleep. My left foot was asleep, uh, and I thought, oh, that's odd. I must have like slept with my ankles crossed or whatever. And so I got up and got in the shower, and when I got out of the shower, that my foot was still asleep, and I thought, that's not really how asleep feet work. And so I, uh, I called my doctor and just made an appointment for a few days later when I could get in. Uh, I didn't think too much of it, frankly, um, but it was, you know, odd enough that I thought I'd get it checked out. And then by the end of that day, the toes on my other foot had gone numb and my hands were starting to behave strangely. And so the way this thing works is you get sick real fast. And so for me, it was, you know, eight days from numb toes to not being able to turn my head. And then you, you know, the outcomes that then get kind of, kind of strange, like they're not sure, you know, it's an autoimmune thing, but in my case, I had a head cold, like there's no correlation between any behaviors. Just yep. rotten. And then they, they don't know. I mean, some people get a chronic form of this thing. And so it comes back over and over other people, um, you know, their, their diaphragm stops working, they stop breathing. And, and then of course the outcomes, either you're intubated and hooked up to a breathing machine or, or a respirator rather, or or you die. And, and I was lucky that I got real close to that point and had some tough conversations with doctors about some next steps. And then mm-hmm. I started to get, I started to get better. So, you know, you reach that nadir that really that low point. And then for some people it's years and years and years that they get better. And for other people, you get better pretty quick. And, and, uh, I was lucky that I had some great support around me, family and friends and medical team. And I was pretty motivated. Mm-hmm. Um, to work real hard in, in rehab and physio to try to, to try to just get moving, you know, and, and
0: uh, yeah. Well, that was the thing I was wondering, cause you said you were active before you played team sports. And, and so you had an understanding of how important being physical and active and having movement is when you started to recover, how did that play on how you decided to sort of approach your recovery? Cause you really took an aggressive approach to getting better and probably better than you've ever been.
1: Yeah, it was a full-time job. So, I mean, I wasn't working. I was living in the Miller Center. So it was literally a full-time job, but I was in this odd place of helplessness. I'm lucky that, you know, I grew up here. I've got a bunch of friends in the city and family that wanted to be helpful. And so I put together a schedule of my pals and said like, hey, I can get into the gym as early as 6 a.m. here in the Miller Center. And I'm doing these teeny tiny exercises, but the more reps I get in, the stronger I'm going to get. And my body was responding really well to the work. Now it doesn't happen this way for everybody. And so it's, you know, what I wanna make sure people don't know, don't hear is like, if you work hard, you'll get better. And so anybody who's sick isn't working hard, like that's not the case. It just happened to be in my case that so my body was responding well to, to hard work. And so I was able to keep going. And so I, you know, I was doing physical activity, even tiny movements. So when I say physical activity, like it started with wiggling toes and progress, but I, I worked as hard as I could to get better. Um, And that meant hours and hours and hours and hours a day for months on end with, again, the help of like a great medical team who went way above and beyond, Mm -hmm. you know, working through their lunch hours to make sure I had time in the gym, everything you could imagine. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a few reasons for that. You know, one of them is, I think, medical professionals, especially in a place like the Miller Center, which is a remarkable place, but they see a ton of folks that that go in there who aren't going to get better. Mm -hmm. Um, and so to see a young guy who was working real hard to get better and was making progress was really motivating for this the team there as well and then once I got out of the hospital once I once I could go home I shifted focus I, I, I was no longer focused on myself I was focused on my family and my employer who had been very fair to me through this time off and so I was just focused on getting back to life and then about a year after that so a year and a bit after I came home I decided I just really had to get focused on my own wellness again. I was out of shape and I was weak, but I wasn't sick anymore. And I think that's a really important distinction, right? Like there was nothing at that point stopping me from doing a ton of work and getting physically well, other than, you know, the same things that are pressured on all of us. Like how much time are you willing to create? How much energy will you put towards it? Will you learn the things you need to learn to do the work properly? Um, Are you committed to recovery after you do the work? All of those things. I had a friend who was a really accomplished long distance runner and I called him up and I said, Tom, I need a hand. I'm going to learn to run. I'd really like to get to a place where I could run a 5k. And he said, Oh, let's go to the gym tomorrow. And so we went, we went to the gym and I got on a treadmill and I couldn't run at all, but I could walk and sweat. And then the next day he called me first thing in the morning and said, Hey, I'm heading back to the gym. Why don't you come? And I was motivated because I was getting stronger and I was dropping some weight, which was obviously motivating. And when I'm so weak that every pound I lost made me feel stronger. And then it wasn't clear to me that running was going to be the thing. It was efficient use of time, efficient way to get good cardio work in and to start to feel stronger. And then it's a, Ryan's a weird thing, man. Like when, when it gets at you, You can really, you can really get hooked and it's like a lot of physical activity, right? Like the positive outcomes that you see from it, not just physically, but emotionally and chemically, right? Like that endorphin release, that serotonin is real and you come to rely on it in your day. And there's a lot worse ways to go about getting it than, than getting out for a run. So
0: um,
1: it worked, it worked well for me. And I ran, I ran every day. Starting that day in February, I ran every day for, for about a year. And that included, you know, putting in a 5k that I felt okay about and dropping 80 pounds and then running at the the Telly 10, which of course is this race that everybody knows and was my big stretch goal. Like, Hey, if I could run 10 miles, that would be, that would mean that I changed my life, Um, right? If I got strong enough to run, it means it would mean that I was as fit as I was before I got sick. It turned out that running that 10 miles was like at the end of the 10 mile run, I was happy to to keep going. I, I, it wasn't anywhere near what I thought was my capacity at that time. Um, I was also really loving the learning side of running. Running is one of those weird things because it's so simple. Every kid we know can do it, but the deeper down you get, the more there is to learn and explore about yourself and the physicality as well as the sort of structured training plans and nutrition and technique. And and it became a really good just way to stretch my brain a little too, which was great.
0: We're talking trail running and what we need to know when starting out with Dan Meads, who's a local ultra marathoner and running coach. He's sharing his amazing journey to the pinnacle of endurance running and what he learned along the way. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back. We're talking trail running and what we need to know when starting out with Dan Meads, who's a local ultramarathoner and running coach. He's sharing his amazing journey to the pinnacle of endurance running and what he learned along the way. Let's check it out. You didn't stop at the 10 miles. You now run ultramarathons. So for people that don't know what an ultra marathon is maybe you can explain that now just a quick story for people the word marathon or the term marathon came from a guy who ran from a battle you know to report and he ran 24 miles or whatever and actually died at the end because it was that grueling for him but now you're not just doing those you're doing ultra marathons tell me a little bit about those yeah
1: and so for a long time a marathon was considered sort of the standard of uh exceptional physical condition right now and then quite a long time ago now, people started running longer than that. Uh, and so anything longer than that 42 kilometers is considered an ultramarathon. Now, the shortest ultramarathons that most people really consider are about 50K. And then there are, you know, 250 mile races. Like these things get real long and, and, and there's lots of ways to make them more interesting and tougher, like putting a few mountains in the way between the starting line and the finish line. And that's the stuff that really turned me on. So I ran a 50 K that first year here on the East coast trail. And it was, um, it was, it was remarkable. It was an unbelievable experience for me. First of all, it felt so beyond anything I would have considered possible. Mm -hmm. Even for myself up to the starting line, like I didn't register myself for that race. My pal registered me for the race. Um, It never would have occurred to me that I could run that far. And then to, to run that far And put in a really respectable time and just to be completely crushed at the finish line i mean like you know you see people wobbly legged getting to finish lines and just barely making it across yeah oh i I was toast you know i i I got into the finish line and i sat down and and it took quite a while for me to get back up to my feet but i felt like i had done something impossible and that i was i was really proud of it i was proud of the effort it was eight months since i started training and and uh it felt like a really wild goal and then a couple of weeks later i registered for a race out in british Columbia the following summer that uh, is 130 kilometers split into a couple of days so you run 50 miles on the first day and 50 kilometers on the second day and it's out in the rockies in bc and so they put they put a bunch of mountains in the way and you you uh you spend the day running up and down mountains, and then you try to get a couple hours sleep, and then you do it again the next day.
0: Yes.
1: Um, and it's a wild one. But, you know, once you do that, then you think what's, what's possible and what's next. And so I've been running the, the above 100K distance since then. And I've done that a bunch of times and I've enjoyed it a lot. And, and it, it's not the, I mean, the racing is fun, but racing is a celebration of the work.
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: And so the, the, the point is the training and the consistency and the strength work and, and turning your body and your mind into a machine that you can feel really proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I also have pals who do this stuff from all over the country. And, and I, it's a great way to stay connected with that community. And so we, we pick races and we run them together and, or at least at the same time, sometimes we're not step for step, you know, right. But, but we're out there at the same time and, and uh, living together for the week and, and racing against each other. And, and, uh, and it's been great. And so after I started doing those longer things and that's all on a trail, right? So there's mm-hmm. like a you know, the tan happens, on the road from paradise to bannerman park but this is a this is a different ball game because you're you've got rocks and roots and mountains and streams and and everything else and that type of running spoke to me a lot more than the road running i was i thought i was hooked on road running and in the moment i got a pair of trail shoes i realized that I, I, I had gotten it wrong from the start
0: yeah
1: um and and how spending that time outdoors in nature You're less concerned about pace because when the distances get so long, you've got no choice but to slow down. Um, And so you're less worried about your kilometer splits, how quick you were in the last K and how much you've got to make up on the next K. It's all about just getting that space between your ears right to keep going, even though there's another five or six thousand meters of climbing ahead of you that day.
0: Well, that's the other thing, too, is that, you know, you have to pay attention to your steps because every step is a root or a rock or something like that. You have mentioned a ton of benefits already, because we're talking about like, why would somebody be listening to this and think maybe I want to get into trail running here in in Newfoundland? You've mentioned there's social aspects, there's mental health benefits being out in nature. You mentioned you had weight loss and improved physical fitness and a sense of accomplishment. What are the big things? If you were, if somebody came to you and said, I want to be like you were, and I want to go to the gym and start and see where I can go, what would you tell them?
1: Yeah. So I, I mean, there's a few things, the benefits are innumerable, right? Like a, I am a happier all around better person for myself, right? That's not a judgment on others, but just in my own life, I'm more effective at work. I'm a better dad. I'm a, I'm a better version of myself when I'm putting in the time training. And that's for a whole bunch of reasons, man. There's not a whole lot of problems I can't figure out after four hours on the trail of running like I, 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 you know, you got enough time, just yourself, to, to get through some of that stuff and decide who you want to be um, and how you want to live those values. So that's the first thing the the physical benefits are unbelievable. Running is a perfect sport from a physical benefit point of view. And that's because you can start slow and build up as you go. And so I always tell people to trust your heart rate, not trust your pace. And so get, you know, it doesn't cost a whole lot of money to get a watch that'll take your heart rate while you're running these days. Mm -hmm. And that's next to a pair of sneakers, that's the the most important tool you can get. You wanna be able to calculate a heart rate that's not gonna be too high for you, a nice comfortable low heart rate while you run. Stay at that heart rate, certainly for the first months and months and months of training. And that's gonna allow you to put in lots of time running without getting hurt. Um, which is the thing that stops most people from achieving their running goals is, is getting injured early on and not doing the work in the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, you know, I, I don't know. I can tell you that, the, that my head can be a pretty cloudy place sometimes. Um, and while there's lots of strategies and I do, do lots of things, you know, I have a meditation practice that I rely on and I do lots of things, but running is the thing that keeps me uh, a happier, healthy person between my ears and and uh, and that's the most important piece for me and so you know I'm I'm a 40-year-old dude who used to be paralyzed who can now just races in the world and I'm really proud of that but those aren't the metrics of success for me it's do I have lots of energy when I wake up in the morning do I sleep well at night do I understand my relationship with food and fuel well enough to to make good decisions for myself every single day 2 30 in the afternoon do i get that weird low energy lull where i'm not very smart like these these are the metrics of real success for me Mm -hmm. Um, and i achieve those things by running a lot just about every day Um, but you know i i think that if the goal is to run the tele 10 at a certain pace you might be missing some of the main benefits
0: right the other thing you mentioned that was really important for people is to make sure they don't get injured and they get it, uh, they learn how to do it correctly. And I'm a huge advocate in getting expert advice, particularly something where you're doing it thousands and thousands of times on repeat, your stride and everything else. You actually coach people on running now. So this has become something that you actually do to help people. What are some things people should know about learning the right technique or fundamentals?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think there's a few things, right? Running for me was never about... Uh, was never intended to be about community. It was never intended to be about friendship. It was never intended to be something I do to help other people. It was for me and it still primarily is, right? Like it's a bit of an inherently selfish act. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes a little bit of money. Uh, And so that I still view it that way for the most part. I've been really fortunate that I've had lots of support in that running. And so, you know, I'm an ambassador for Lululemon and they've been great for the last few years to help me, run these amazing races in these beautiful places in the world. And then through some of those, those race efforts, I developed a relationship with a place called the run experience, which is an app and a YouTube channel. And that's my relationship with them is that I make YouTube videos to teach people how to run. And so the the few things that I would like really people need to know if they're getting started is start real slow, right? Your pace doesn't matter at all. It is all about efficient movement patterns. So if things are hurting, you're doing it wrong. And so keep your heart rate nice and low and make sure you're moving in a way that's not getting, it's not causing you pain as you move. Now, that's not to say you won't get sore muscles, all of those things. There's a difference in sore muscles and, and pain related to, to movement patterns that are gonna cause injuries. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you know it's really discouraging to run for a week and then have to take a week off because you've, you've found a way to hurt yourself. And there's lots of ways to hurt yourself out there. Mm-hmm. But I do think if you do the maintenance work, stability and mobility work right, and you take it nice and slow, keep that heart rate low, anybody can learn to run. I mean, literally anybody can learn to run. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a simple sport that allows your body to recover well um, and so, you know, I hear people all the time say, "Oh, I'd run, but you know, I've got this knee trouble. I run, but my back hurts." All those are valid reasons to, for it to be difficult. Those are also things that you can address with a great medical team, and running can make those things better, not worse. And so, um, you know. I, your knee pain is a thing that can stop you from running until you get it right and then running can actually stop
0: your knees from hurting it's a remarkable thing by the way. that was local ultra marathoner dan Meads, who's sharing his experience and tips on trail running before we finish our interview with him we're going to check in with killian harnett who's a physiotherapist at villanova physiotherapy and a runner himself he recently wrote an interesting blog post called Three Tips to Help Prevent Injuries in Runners, and he'll walk us through what we need to know. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back. In this segment, we're talking with Killian Hernet, who's a physiotherapist at Villanova Physiotherapy and a runner himself. He recently wrote an interesting blog post called Three Tips to Help Prevent Running Injuries, and he'll walk us through what we need to know. Let's check it out. Hey, Killian, welcome to the show. Hey, Mike, how are you? Great, great. Well, I'm really glad you could be here today. We have been chatting recently about injuries that people get when they're running, and you are a physiotherapist. Can you give me a bit of background on what you do and what your background is so that people at home know who they're talking to?
2: Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So I guess from the physio side of things, we help people get back to a level of function after they've sustained an injury Um, that can basically vary from all types of different injuries from say concussion to post-surgical to just uh, an overuse injury.
0: And that's why I wanted to reach out today because I know you know injuries really well. And one of the things you did a recent blog post on was actually running injuries. And today we're talking all things running. What are some of the common running injuries folks are going to see?
2: It doesn't matter what level of running they're at. 50% of people are hurt at some point and that can vary from just minor little niggles to something that might be for preventing them from running. So depending on the level uh, of the runner, so novices, which would be less than six months and important to note that research would define that as six months in a row. So if you're a you know, fair weather runner who just trains for the tele 10 and you do three or four months, you could have been doing that for 10 years and you're still considered a novice. Um, so the most common ones you'll see is called medial tibial stress syndrome or better known as uh, stress fracture, or, you know, a sh- shin splints. Then you have patellofemoral pain syndrome. So that's a umbrella term for knee pain. You have your Achilles tendinopathy and then your plantar fasciitis trail running has gotten quite big too. Um, and you can almost split trail running and road running into two different sports, really. And um, more common to see it band syndrome, some ankle related dorsiflexion things. And then you have your classic Achilles tendinopathy and your patellofemoral pain syndromes.
0: Okay. You mentioned some injuries there, but I know people are listening. They aren't sure whether or not they're injured or not. And obviously if you are hurt, you should go see your doctor or your physiotherapist to get some advice, but just for some sort of warning signs for folks, what, does it feel like what are the signs and symptoms of plantar fasciitis?
2: Yeah. So with plantar fasciitis, uh, the big one is uh, pain initially on uh, contact in the morning. So that's usually when their pain is, is increased and it's just pain underneath your foot. So that's from the bottom of your heel up to the toe. And a lot of people describe this like tightening underneath the foot uh, or just pain upon contact. Sometimes and- don't actually feel it when running. It's, it's sometimes afterwards,
0: Yeah. It can warm up. Right. And that's one of the things they try and do is get it active and moving. Another one, common one, IT band syndrome or iliotibial band syndrome. How can somebody tell if they might be developing that?
2: So again, yeah, it would be more on the outside of the leg from the hip to the knee. Uh, A lot of people can get a little bit of sharp pain at the outside of the knee as well. And you can feel that during the run and more or less you'll feel it after sometimes too. It seems to be more specific to activity. It'd be uncommon for people to have IT band syndrome if, if they're relatively sanitary or they're not very active.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And the other one we talked about was shin splints, really, really common injury that can get pretty bad if it left untreated. How does somebody know if they've got that?
2: 100%. Yeah. They'll, uh, they'll have pain um, mm-hmm. on the front of their, their shin bone or the lower leg bone in between the knee and the ankle initially will probably feel that afterwards. And again, like you mentioned, it has propensity to get a little bit more serious. If you're feeling that during running, then that's a sign that that might be a little bit more serious or could be accustomed to then potentially leading to a, a stress fracture, which we would try and avoid. And at any one point when you're running, there's two and a half to three times your body weight going through the foot and that's at mid stance. And then actually the initial point of contact that's very, very minute, but that can be upwards to 120 times body weight. So just from a practical standpoint, uh, regardless of education, you can imagine how much, uh, force is then going up through the leg.
0: Right. Right. So when people, you know, they, like you said, too, if you're not training all year round, cause a lot of people don't run in the winter, for example, but they get ready for the tele 10 or, or a trail run in the summer. What do they need to do to avoid these types of injuries?
2: I think it can be like simplified. So I'm a big proponent of uh, the KISS principle. I just keep it simple. And then stupid is more in relation to me because we can overcomplicate <laughs> these things. The big thing is looking at cadence. And that might be a term that sounds fancy, but it's basically how many steps you take per minute. And what research shows is that average cadence for any runner is around 155 steps per minute. And if we can increase that to 170 steps to 190 steps, that's not only related to reducing the risk of injury, but over time, if, if you become adapted to that, that can actually be uh, related to increased running uh, efficiency and then subsequently increased performance. Mm. So to simplify it, that's the one, one overwhelming proponent or factor you'd look at. There's a lot of different cues that people are given for running. And the one that's quite simple and has the most research behind it, and the one I have found effective in practice myself, is just telling people to run softly. We talked about forces on, on the body, and it doesn't really matter the number, but research shows that that can reduce the, the body weight or the amount of force that goes through the leg.
0: that's that's really interesting you talked about the cadence so for example if you're running a seven minute kilometer for example okay it means you're still running at the same speed but you're taking more steps to accomplish that that would likely mean you're taking a shorter stride or less of a long powerful stride which probably reduces those ground forces is that what you're trying to say with the cadence
2: exactly mike yeah um that's a very very good way of summarizing it and what we find with biomechanics is an inefficient pattern would be where the heel lands in front of the knee and the hip and that's related to what you had mentioned there that overstriding, and then just giving people that that cue of shorter quicker steps which i increases cadence that allows the hip and the knee and the heel to be more in a straight line as mm. opposed to the heel being out in front of the knee or the hip and we know if the heel is Further out front, that's related to higher risk of injury.
0: Not only is learning the proper running technique important and making sure that we're we're running at the right type of stride, but how do people prepare themselves for a run? Like I've heard things about stretching and warming up, but how do we demystify that for folks?
2: If you wanted to keep it real, real simple, uh, strength work, and it's not your classic squats, deadlifts, or or heavy things like that, be more activation work targeted around just hip stabilizers. And yeah, you can keep it real, real simple. It's just your cells muscle and some of your lateral rotators. That has some evidence for strengthening. But in terms of the warm up really dependent on what your goals are. So if you're an elite elite runner, like the top tell you ten runners here, you're going to want to get a good warm up going, um, and that's more from a physiological standpoint because you're switching metabolic systems. And you'll find, and most people find that first two kilometers is is quite tough if you try and set at race pace. Mm-hmm. So for me, where you know I'm I'm a pretty novice runner, I've only been at it really a year. Uh, seriously, it's not a big deal for me because I can take those first 2K in a 10K race, take it easy and then and warm myself up. But vice versa, if you have Colin Fuhrer who's going straight out of the gates or Kate Basley going straight out of the gates, they need to be really, really warmed up because it's a matter of seconds to them. Whereas, you know, you or I it doesn't really make a huge, huge difference.
0: Another thing I think would be important to talk about for folks is recovery. So if I am training and I'm getting into it and I've just done my 5K run or maybe a longer run on the weekend because I got more time, how do I recover properly to avoid injuries?
2: Yeah, big, big one and really, really important. I think um, standard healthy, healthy living things, sleep is huge, stress, um, making sure that you're not running consecutive days. If you're doing a really hard training session, a general rule of thumb that you can take is give yourself a day in between and then nutrition is huge. But to keep it real simple, you could, if you're used to stretching, you can stretch, absolutely. You can do that. Um, Cross training is a big one too. If you're just getting into running, you can have other interventions, whether that be strength training, yoga, just spinning on a bike. All of those things are good, good. Interventions to reducing load through the limb and just making sure that adequate recovery occurs. But to keep it real simple, one size does not fit all. And if you're having a really really hard time monitoring that yourself, it's probably worthwhile reaching out to a healthcare practitioner just to get a little bit of basic advice.
0: Of course, of course. Now, if somebody is having injuries and they need some advice. How can somebody get a hold of you?
2: Uh, yeah they can get a hold of me in multitude of ways. I work out in CBS um, clinic called Villanova Physiotherapy. I have my personal blog online too which is called newfoundphysio.com and yeah you can reach out via email or any of the contacts there and the handy thing about modern technology is you just book in online. you don't even have to talk to anyone so <laughs> excellent be handy.
0: Excellent. Well they'll learn a lot from you if they get a chance to come down and see you. Thanks so much for taking the time to share this with us today. Really appreciate it
2: yeah thank you so much mike it was
0: a pleasure that's killian harnett who's a physiotherapist at villanova physiotherapy and a runner himself who was telling us all about how to avoid running injuries when we get back we'll finish our interview with dan meads who'll share some tips on how we can get started in trail running safely and effectively we'll be right back Welcome back. We're talking trail running and what we need to know when starting out with Dan Meads, who's a local ultramarathoner and running coach. He's sharing his amazing journey to the pinnacle of endurance running and what he learned along the way. Let's check it out. You mentioned a few things. You mentioned a a simple watch to be able to measure heart rate. And just for people to know, like when your heart rate stays the same, but you run more, your pace does get better just because oh, yeah. you're, you're, you're going to, have to work as hard to go as fast. And you also mentioned sneakers. What are some tips people should have around like getting the right footwear or prepping themselves to get the, the to make sure they don't hurt themselves because their gear.
1: Yeah. Don't break the bank is the first rule. Right. And so, so you don't need to, the most expensive pair of shoes on the wall may not be the right shoes for you. Mm-hmm. And so go into a store that you trust. Uh, I love the outfitters here in downtown St. John's, those guys. Mm-hmm really know their stuff and they've got a great selection head in there and talk to don and the team and just tell them what you want to do hey i've got to get started i don't want to break the bank try on a ton of pairs of shoes don't worry about taking their time that's why they're there and get a pair that feels good when you put them on if you're sh- if you're running shoes don't feel comfortable the first moment you put them on they're never going to feel comfortable after you've been running in them for a little while mm-hmm. and so get a pair of shoes that are going to fit properly and that you feel confident putting on your feet and aren't going to cause you any pain or discomfort um, you know, a blister can stop you from running. Like it just, it can And so, so get that stuff right from the start. Um, and other than that, I really, really don't spend too much money on kit, mm-hmm. you know, get yourself a pair of shoes. You feel good about Get yourself a pair of socks that are going to wick some sweat. Cause if your feet get wet while you're running, you can get those blisters. It'll slow you down. And if you, if you've got the means for it, uh, something that'll measure your heart rate while, while you run is a really great early tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason is that it's going to stop you from working too hard. Um, You want that heart rate to be measured in the moment to keep it nice and low. A general rule, I mean, not to get too deep in the weeds, is that 180 minus your age is a great heart rate to start at. 180 minus your age. So if you're a 40-year-old person, 140 beats per minute on that watch is a great place to be. Uh, And it's going to feel real slow at first for a lot of people. For some people, that's going to be walking. Great. No problem. Keep at it you know, I can keep at that heart rate now and, and run a four minute, 32nd kilometer for as long as I want. And my heart rate stays at, at 140, if that's what I want to do. And it's, it's a remarkable thing to change your body that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are the things, get a pair of shoes that, that you can afford and that feel nice and comfy. And if you've got the means for it, something that'll measure your heart rate while you go, mm-hmm. uh, and then you're ready to, you're ready to go get up, get to kitty Vidy Lake and get started.
0: Right. So you just mentioned, you know, there's lots of places to run around here. Now, I would assume if you're doing trail running, knowing the trails and understanding the terrain and how good a condition there is important, are there any groups that people can join if they feel a little bit unsure of where they should go and what they should do?
1: Yeah, it's a ton of great Facebook groups. And so trail running Newfoundland Labrador is a great place to start if you want to get on the trail. From a trail running point of view, we've got one of the best resources in the world, literally, right here called the East Coast Trail. It's 336 kilometers of well-maintained beautiful coastal trail running mm-hmm. some of the best trail running you're going to find anywhere in the world like is is right like you could start in downtown st john's and run on some of the best trails in the world it's remarkable um i ran a place called cobbler's path last night down into Tor Bay, and the humpback whales were trying to splash me while i was i mean it's it's really a remarkable thing and so that's a great way to start Strava is an app a website that you can use to track your running and there are Strava groups that you can see where they run and then other stores you know the outfitters in the running room have road running and trail running groups as well and so it, it is important especially in the beginning especially on the trail try not to go alone don't go at night until you're used to it right just get out on a trail that you know how far it is the East Coast Trail Association website has all of the trails listed all of the routes listed how difficult they are how long it should take you to hike them. And so, you know, generally speaking, you you can cut about 40% off of that hiking time if you're just getting started, cut 70% off it if you're, if you're a great runner and you feel like you've got lots of confidence and that's how long it'll take you to run those trails. And, and, and it's, you know, start on the road is a comfortable way to get started. But, but the moment you feel some confidence in those legs and you can get on the trail, I'd highly recommend it.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Vitamin N, T.A. Laughlin says vitamin nature. You're right there. I was out at Ladies Lookout the other day and I couldn't keep my eyes straight. There was whales breaching everywhere. It's unbelievable how lucky we are here. Yeah, you know,
1: that's a it's a good point. Ladies Lookout, of course, is part of the North Head Trail yeah. that goes from Kitty Vitty up to Cabot Tower and then down to the Battery or vice versa. So, you know, if you do it as an out and back, so you end where you start at either Cuckles Cove or the Battery, it's five kilometers total. Mm-hmm. And that five kilometers gets you from say the battery up to Cabot Tower, down into Kitty Vitty, back up to Cabot Tower, and back down to the battery, yeah. it's an unbelievable way to get out on the trail and see what it's like. You don't need to run it; just go hike that thing, and and you'll get a sense of what it feels like being on the East Coast Trail. That's not a part of the East Coast Trail specifically; that's a Parks Canada site, but it feels the same under your feet, and it's a it it'll knock your socks off. I can't believe how many people here in St. John's have never done the North Head Trail,
0: yeah. and
1: so you know it's whatever you're doing right now, like probably stop it and get on the trail, it's great.
0: I love it, I love it. Well, we've covered a lot of stuff here today, The big thing, I guess, would be that I still think people may be intimidated by some of these things. Let's just quickly run through some of the health benefits you see and then how quickly you're gonna see those because you started off at a pretty basic spot. You know, you had an athletic background, but you'd been a while and you'd gone through some very traumatic stuff. What are some milestones people will see and how quickly will they see them if if they take it up now? It
1: can be unbelievably quick for a lot of people. If you start slow, right? So consistency, consistency, consistency. If you can keep yourself running at least four days a week, half an hour at a time is a perfect way to start. So 30 minutes, four days a week is a great starting point. You will find within the first couple of weeks, that half an hour doesn't feel as long and doesn't feel as hard. And that's your first metric for success is that it's not feeling as tough. From there, if you've got weight to lose and lots of us have, You can start to see that weight shed pretty quickly your relationship with food is going to have a a lot to do with this as well right and so thinking about how you fuel your body properly for these runs but not give it the things that it doesn't need um, is also really important and so giving your body good clean fuel that it's going to use to burn on those runs you're going to find that you can start shedding some weight pretty quickly Um, For me, that happened very, very fast. I I started running at the same time. I tried really intentionally to change my relationship with food and and, uh, that one made the other easier. And so dropping some weight because my diet was better made running easier. Running being easier meant I could run more often and run longer. And that meant I was really motivated to keep that healthy relationship with food. Um, And so if you're looking for success in one area or the other, Doing them both simultaneously can have big benefits. Within a couple of weeks, you'll start to notice those weight changes if, you're, if you've got that, the, the nutrition piece dialed in, and you're going to start to see running get easier. Within a month of four days a week, your pace is going to quicken while your heart rate stays the same. That's the real metric for success. Your heart is going to be working way more efficiently. Your body's going to be working more efficiently. You can stay at that 180 minus your age heart rate, but you can run longer and you can run faster. And that'll continue. Here's the beautiful thing about running is that you can always continue to get better at it. So that first month you'll start to see the gains. I found the three month mark was huge for me. I started to feel like a superhero after three months. Like I could run every single day for an hour or 90 minutes, and my body would recover well, right? I was doing, you know, lots of foam rolling, lots of stretching. I have a physiotherapist that I see, I have a massage therapist that I see. You know, I spent and lots of time in a sauna, I use ice baths, I do all the things to keep myself feeling good. But if I, if I keep doing that recovery work, I could put in the miles literally every day and it got better and easier every day. Um, and so it's not that you're gonna wake up in the morning and every run is gonna feel light and easy. But if you think of you know a week of time or two weeks of time as a general arc of how running feels, that first, you'll see a marker after that first month some progress in month two. And then by the end of month three, you're a runner then. I mean, mm-hmm. like it's time to start setting some distance goals like yeah. Like, is it the telly that you want to do? Is it a 5k that you want to do after three months? It's, it's time to pick and you don't need to line up at a race with a thousand other people or 2000 other people like the telly Tan. You can set that goal for yourself and say, Hey, I, look for me, it's two laps around kitty viddy Lake. I want that eight kilometers. And I don't want to have to walk at all I want to keep my heart rate low. And at the end of it, I want to have a big smile. Um, that's a remarkable goal. If you can do two laps of Kitty Vitty and that's your goal, I think it's great. Mm-hmm. And for other people, it's 100 miles in the Alps and you've got to you got to put in lots of effort to get there. But you yeah. can like, you know, there I'm at these starting lines with some of the world's best athletes. And I, I look around and I can tell you with confidence they're the same as you are. They've mm-hmm. put in the work and they've learned how to do it. But, you know, the fact that I'm there is evidence that
0: it's just normal schmoes, like it's every it's everyday people that have worked hard to get to that place. Well, look, if people want to get some information, watch some of those videos, how could they get access to some of the resources you provide or get in touch with you to get some coaching?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Dan J Meads on Instagram, and that's the only social media that I use. And it's mostly just a log of cool stuff I see while I'm running. And so like videos of whales and eagles and, and nice places to see on the East coast trail. I do link to some stuff on on the run experience, YouTube channel on that Instagram as well. And to be clear, you can buy that app. But the YouTube channel is free and there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of amazing videos on there that'll help get you started. Um, And the the team at The Run Experience are all professionals uh, who really know their stuff. But, you know, there are also lots of local folks that you can reach out to pretty easily. And so, you know, head into the Outfitters or the Running Room and tell them you want to learn to run and they'll have some options for you there. Check out Facebook. There's lots of running clubs in the city that are really happy to get new people out running to start um, it's a really inclusive community running running is a remarkable thing you know you it's one of the only times one of the only areas in my life that I can imagine where um, the best runner in the city or in the province is happy to have a chat with you about how to get started at a thing
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and so you know you can you can find people that are that are putting in world-class times and marathons right here in St. John's and if you reach out to them and say, hey, I'd love to have a 15-minute phone call about how to get started, like I can almost guarantee you they're going to say, yes, people just want to be helpful. And so, that's you awesome. know, you can check me out on Instagram at Dan J. Meads if you're interested. But if if it's other stuff that motivates you, find something that motivates you. And then there's somebody around that's happy to have that chat with you to get you out there.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Dan, thank you so much for sharing your story today and taking the time to chat with us. I found this super interesting and I'm glad you could join us. Thanks, Mike. Have a great day. Thank you to Dan Meads and Killian Harnett for joining me today. Trail running is a fun and easy way for us to get active. It gets us out in nature, and like Dan said, it's a great way to take care of our mental health as well. If you're interested in learning more, you can find trail running groups in your area on social media, or you can reach out to our guests for some advice. Well, that's our show this week. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. Wishing you happy trails and hope you can join me back here next week for another episode of the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM.